Hi, my name is Audrey on program staff. You're listening to week five of the Falls Creek podcast. The speaker for week five was Nick Ataya, and we had 4,039 students in attendance. Enjoy. All right, listen here. Before we get into any of this, <clears throat> I got a word for you, okay? Here it is. Y'all got to go back home and sing like that, okay? You got to bless those people in your church. Let them know what it looks like and what it feels like and what the experience is like for God's people to rejoice in that way. That was, that was very fresh. Thank you for blessing me as I just stopped for a while and listened to you all worship the Lord. We've been in John chapter 1 all week. And so where do you think we're going tonight? John chapter 1. So as, you, as you're turning to John chapter 1. I want to give you just a brief recap again. Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is the Word. We saw that. That's the intro that John the Apostle gives to us in John chapter 1. It's the first thing he wants us to know about Jesus, that he is the Word. Nobody made Jesus. He was before, and he will forever be, and he created all things. And he brought with him, Jesus is life and light. He brought life, and he was the light to men. Jesus is the one who gives us spiritual life because he came to earth to do that. Wednesday night we said Jesus is the glory of God. He is the personification of everything God says and everything God describes about his character and his attributes in his word. Right here in the flesh, Jesus, the fullness of God's glory. Last week we said Jesus is what? What does John the Baptist tell us? That Jesus is the Lamb of God. And as we've looked at who Jesus is, we're going to look at one more Jesus is tonight, Friday night at Falls Creek. So would you stand with me? John chapter 1, verse 35. Stand with me as we honor the Lord, the reading of his word. What are the four most important words in any language? Thus saith the Lord. Verse 35, again the next day. John was standing with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. And it was about ten in the morning. Now Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, the Anointed One. And he brought Simon to Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we trust you. And we pray that tonight, our last night together, we pray that you would once again open our hearts, open our minds, excite our souls tonight at the exposition of your word. Speak to us and shape us into the image of 
of our Savior Jesus Christ. And it's in the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. So, several years ago, myself and Todd Sanders, we were in Nashville, Tennessee. We were there meeting with Lifeway to look at some future curriculum stuff with Lifeway. So we're there for a few days, and we had a, it was either a morning or an afternoon. We had a couple of hours of break, and we decided to go to the, the, the newest location of antique archaeology. I don't know if you watch, I think it's on the Discover Channel, uh, the American Pickers. Yeah, Mike Wolf, and okay, so we go to antique archaeology, and it's a really cool place. You walk in, and there's just all this really old stuff, really unique stuff, and so Todd and I are there, we're walking around, Todd's kind of going towards the stuff he likes, and I'm kind of going towards the stuff that I like. Todd's looking for Batman stuff, I don't know why anybody's looking for Batman stuff, but Todd's looking for Batman stuff, and I'm more of a Spider-Man guy, okay? <laughs> and so I'm standing, I'm standing, there's a table about like this, and I'm looking at some stuff on this table, Todd's over in the back part of the store, I'm standing right here, and I get... You know, when, when you're in a, a, a store or a shop or something and somebody bumps into you and you go, you know, kind of like that. So I'm standing here kind of like that. And so I turn and it's Mike Wolf. He's in his own store, which is not all that weird for him to be in the store. But me at the same time, that was what was interesting. And so he's got some people with him and they go to the middle of the store where there's this furniture set out. And he's got like a camera crew, people, and they're kind of taught, they're kind of, you can tell they're kind of storyboarding what they want to do. Yeah, we're going to sit here, we're going to do this and all this. And so I go over, I get Todd, I said, Todd, Mike Wolf just came and look, and Todd sees him, and they, they're walking back into the office area. And so Todd and I have this brilliant idea. They're probably going to come back out. So let's grab a seat right there on that couch they were talking about, and let's force them to ask us to move. That way we get to interact with them and talk to them, right? So Todd and I, we, we grab a seat there. And we sit there, and we sit there. We don't have coffee to drink. We don't have um, any Funyuns to eat. I mean, we, we're just sitting there, okay? And we sit there, and we sit there, and we kind of keep looking at each other like, is this going to happen? I mean, is he going to come back out? Are we going to get to talk to Mike Wolf? I mean, I don't know. Well, he never comes out. So we're just the two guys that the people work in the store like, what are these idiots doing? They're just sitting here. What are they waiting for? Why don't they buy something or leave? So eventually we just kind of looked at each other like, well, we guess he's not coming back. And so we left. I might come back to that story in a minute, or I might leave you hanging. I want you to notice something in these verses that we just read. Jesus, uh, uh, John the Baptist has already proclaimed and pointed at Jesus, got the attention of everybody there, we read this last night, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and then the next day happens, and he sees him again. And this time, John records for us that two disciples of John the Baptist were there, and he, he points that out. So this means that John the Baptist, as he has been preaching and teaching, He's also been shaping some men. He's been investing in some men. 
John the Apostle, he's not going to refer to these guys as disciples of John the Baptist if there hasn't been some significant sign that John the Baptist has invested in these guys. And these guys are sold into the message. They've embraced the message of Jesus. They've trusted in the Lamb of God. They believe. And so they sit under the teaching of John the Baptist because they want to know more about this Jesus, more about the Messiah, more about the Lamb of God. So far, all through the first chapter of John, what we have seen is John's exposition, if you will, or his illumination into who Jesus is because that's primary in the Gospels, who Jesus is. But the story is now taking a shift. New things are happening. Because now what you have is you've got people who believe enough in Jesus to say, thanks for the teaching, John, but I'm going where Jesus is going. And if you keep reading through the Gospel of John, what John does is he starts breaking down what that looks like. The call of the disciples will become apostles. The call of people who believe and the stories of those people who would believe and follow Jesus. So as John unfolds this story, it's shifting from here's who Jesus is. Here's what you need to know about Jesus. Here's the assurance of the Messiah that's here. And the story has now shifted to, there he is, go follow him. What are you sitting here for? He's the one I told you about. If your sins have been washed, if you've trusted in the Messiah, go follow him. And so these disciples, they get up, they go follow him. So the story is speeding up now. It's picking up pace. Because now you have people that have said, I believe, now where do I go? How do I connect with him? How can I be where he is? John's a great preacher. They may even have called John rabbi. But when they go to Jesus and they use the word rabbi, they know the difference. They know that this rabbi is different from this rabbi. This rabbi was pointing to this rabbi. And now this rabbi is going to take them on a whole new journey. And he's going to shape their life. And he's going to do wonderful things in them. And that's where they want to be. That is the difference, particularly when you read through the Gospel of John about those who claimed to believe in Jesus and those who actually believe in Jesus. There are stories all through the gospel of those who would say with their mouth one thing about Jesus. Of course, yeah, we're here, we're standing, we're listening to you preach, we're listening to you, to you teach, and Jesus would look on those crowds, but do you really believe? Are you really willing to follow? And these two disciples demonstrate what it really means to believe in Jesus. They call him rabbi. And when they call him rabbi, he says to them, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? What do you want? And that's an interesting question. Jesus knows that they haven't 
left John the Baptist and come to him and called him rabbi because they don't believe. He knows these guys believe. They're right here. And they're asking me. They're talking to me. And he says, what are you seeking? You know who I am. What do you want? Now, I love this about how John the Apostle writes this story. Because as he tells these narratives, as he tells these stories, he's telling these small stories how his big story unfolds. Here's who Jesus is, now follow him. Now you got two disciples, that's who Jesus is, we believe, now we follow him. And so John unpacks it for us because he's given us this picture, he's painting a picture for what it truly means to believe and follow Jesus. They call him rabbi. What do you, what do you seek? Seems like a simple enough question. I think it's probably a good question for us tonight. We've talked about who Jesus is. He's the word. He's the son of God who became man. He's the glory of God. He brings life. He's the lamb of God who's been on the altar, slain for our sins. The only one who's worthy to forgive us of our sins. We've been dealing with that same reality each evening and each morning here. Here's who Jesus is. What do you want? What are you seeking? Where are you going to go? What do you want to do? What do they say? We, we want to know where you're going. We want to know where you're staying. C can we go with you? And Jesus says, come on. Won't you come see where I'm staying? And they stay with him. They don't stay with him because they think, well, this will be an interesting, crazy journey, and this will be a great story to go back and tell all of our friends in the, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the town shops and stuff. That, hey, did we met this crazy guy and spent a couple days with him and all that kind of stuff. No, these guys don't stop following him. If you keep reading throughout the Gospel of John, they don't stop. Everywhere Jesus goes, they go. He even starts giving them responsibility. He even starts turning them into ministers of the gospel. That's what they do. They say, here's what we're seeking, you. So tell us how we can follow you. Do we need to go home and get a tent, or do we need to go get different shoes? I mean, we can do that, but you just tell us where you're going, and that's where we want to go. What are you seeking? This has been opened many times this week. You have opened this many times this week. You have read many times who Jesus is. What you read comes from heaven. It's the glory of God in his word being declared to you. I heard a man say one time, if you want to hear God speak to you out loud, read the Bible out loud. That's the authority that comes with this. It, it's the living, breathing word of the Lord. And it's been opened and read and proclaimed. You've laid your eyes on his word. You've spoke his word. You've received his word. You know now who Jesus is. What are you seeking? Because there's really only two options. The disciples say, we're seeking you. We believe. 
and now we're going to show you that we believe. There's only one other option. I've heard who Jesus is, but I reject. I don't want him. I don't need him. I don't care about him. I'm fine the way I am. I'll figure it out on my own. This stuff is a bunch of nonsense. You only have two options. I pause for a second because I think every person can relate to this scenario. I say with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I have pats on my back. I have people that pray for me. I get high fives. Everywhere I go across these grounds, people know that I've been saved. I visited with people in the evening. They filled out a, a, a thing so that my church can help know that I got saved. Okay. But do you really believe in Jesus? Are you really willing to follow him? Not this week. And not just through the summer. Are you really willing to follow him the rest of your life? I think that's the question we have to walk away from camp. I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves every time we get up in the morning and we go before the Lord. We say, Lord, shape me. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I want to go where you go. I want to be a true believer. I want to demonstrate that with my life. They call him rabbi first and foremost because they know he has many things to teach them. If I'm going to be taught and shaped by Jesus, I have to follow him because he has many things to teach me. Listen, Jesus has many things to teach me. Jesus has many things to teach you. If you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I was a student minister for 15 years in local churches. I saw many students come and go out of student ministry. Some of those students are walking with the Lord faithfully right now where they live. Many of those students, they opened up their mouth one day and they said, I believe in Jesus. They came forward in a service, maybe something similar to this, at a Falls Creek or at a different camp or at an event at church or something. They said, I, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Okay. I want my sins forgiven. Okay. Do you know what that means? It means that for the rest of your life, you follow Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. You don't get Savior Jesus and not Lord Jesus. They come together. I hope you understand that. For many people, we never see Jesus as Lord because first and foremost, we never truly repented of our sins. We just walked, we just did what everybody else was doing. We just thought this was a fun thing. This is where we're at camp. This is what we do. 
This is what everybody else is doing. This is what I'm going to do. It's much more serious than that. Your sin is more serious than that. And saying you believe in Jesus is more serious than that. I heard a perfect illustration of this the other day. I'm going to share it with you. It's not my illustration. It's somebody else's. But I heard a perfect illustration of this. My name is Nick Ataya. Okay? If you come up to me and you say, Nick, come here. I'm going to respond to that. If you come up to me and you say, Ataya, come here, I'm going to respond to that too. I know my first name. I know my last name. I can come, to, I can come at, the, at the call of both of those. Similarly, many people have looked at Jesus and they've said, Savior, come here. Lord, stay. I want Savior Jesus. I don't want Lord Jesus. John is giving us a picture-perfect example of what it means to hear, Behold the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. I believe that. I trust that. Forgive me of my sins. Behold the Lamb of God. Time to go. It's time to go follow Jesus. He's got many things to teach me. And what happens? So they go along with Jesus. And then in verse 40, this is, what, this, is where, this, this, this is where the story just really starts to speed up when you think about the gospel narrative. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. And he first found his own brother Simon and he told him, we have found the Messiah. Now he called him rabbi to his face because he knew that Jesus had many things to teach him. But when he goes to grab somebody else, he says, we found the Savior. We found the anointed one. We found the one that can forgive you of your sins. Now come. And the Bible says he took him to Jesus. He brought Simon. He said, come on, you got to go. Is this Jesus right here? Now, if he's willing to go and find somebody and bring him to Jesus and call him the Messiah, it's because he knows that Jesus is the only one who can save his brother. He's the only one who can give his brother eternal life. He's the only one that can teach his brother new things. And so he goes and he gets him. I'm wearing my Go Students shirt tonight. Andrew was the very first Go student. Did you know that? He's the first one that said, there's the Messiah. All right. You, come here. I'm going I'm I'm to introduce you to the Messiah. He's the very first Go student. There's been a whole lot since. But that's what happens. If you truly believe in Jesus, you see him as Lord, and you follow him. And part of that is going, look, everybody, here he is, here he is. Because you believe deep down in your soul, and you know, and you've been changed. Your, your entire constitution, mind, spirit, body, says, this is the Messiah. The forgiveness of sins has been given to me because I've trusted in his name. We used to take groups of students to China. And, uh, oh, I miss, I miss those trips. It was always such a blessing. We actually had a, a, a family from China that was, um, uh, they're from China, and they uh, were always there helping us with those projects. And 
they were in the States a couple of months ago, and they got to come to our church at First Abbas Seminole, and we got to meet them and talk with them and hear the story, the story of church and the spreading of the gospel in, in China. And it's just, it's so, it, the stories they tell are, there's very few of those stories that we hear over here. But this one particular year, we had 75 or so students, and then we had 75 or so Chinese students that we were doing an English camp with. And there was another church from California that was in the same region that we were. And so one of the state churches that the, the Chinese government oversees, which is not a legitimate evangelical church, but they were using the facility, this church from California. They said, why don't we get our groups together, and we'll have a worship time, and, and Pastor Mike from California... Uh, he, He'll preach the gospel. So we're like, yeah, we, we've been waiting for an opportunity to get as many of these people together we can and, and somebody preach the gospel. Okay, so we go, we have some uh, time of worship and then Pastor Mike gets up and Pastor Mike uh, exposits the theory of relativity and he does some tricks with a watch and he does all this kind of stuff and he, for 40 minutes he's talking and talking and talking and he never opens the Bible, he never talks about Jesus, he never talks about sin he never talks about heaven, he never talks about hell, and he gets to the end of his message, and he says, you know, Jesus loves you, who wants to be loved? If you want to be loved, raise your hand, and if you've raised your hand, why don't you come forward, and we want to meet you, and we want to, we want to celebrate this decision that you've given your life to Jesus, and we were in the back just, I mean, it was just crawling all over us, and we were just like, what's happening? That's not the gospel. And so Leon, our head translator, he's Chinese. He loves the Lord. He loves the gospel. He preaches the gospel. He sounds angry when he's preaching the gospel, but he loves to preach the gospel. So he sees what's happening. So he gathers all of our people up and all of our Chinese students, and he says, come on, we're getting back on the buses. We get on the buses. He takes us to another location. He says, everybody get out. We all get out. We go in. He stands up. And he preaches the gospel. He says, what you heard was not the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. And he talked about sin. And he talked about repentance. And he talked about the Messiah. And he talked about belief. And he talked about following Jesus. Because when you believe in Jesus, you know the difference in a false gospel and the real gospel. And many of you in this room have spent a number of years being exposed to the false gospel. And the world has taught you that you don't need to repent of your sins. You don't need to trust Jesus Christ. You don't need to follow him. You don't need to go to church. You don't need these things. And there may be people in this room right now, you've heard the gospel preached morning, afternoon, and evening, but you still have that message of the world bouncing around in your head. You don't need to do that for the forgiveness of sins. You don't need to trust Jesus, the Lamb of God. You don't need any of that. You're okay just the way you are. I told you a major portion of my testimony last night. Part of that testimony was that when I came to Falls Creek, I met a young lady that I wanted to date. And her name was Libby. She would not date me immediately. She walked with the Lord. I had just given my life to the Lord. She waited many months, and I was very persistent, 
And when she saw that I was really willing to follow Jesus and I was really following Jesus, then she said, okay, we can date. So what happened the third week of June 1996 is that I met my helpmate and my soul mates. And those are two completely different mates. Libby is my helpmate. The Lord gave her to me to be my helpmate in this life. My soulmate was who I surrendered to June 27th during the invitation when Dr. Jordan was done preaching. Jesus is your soulmate. And here's the beauty of that picture. The only way you become mates is if you join into union with one another. Libby and I weren't helpmates until January 20th, January, January 20th, 2001. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but I can, I can, I can usually in any in any sanctuary and in any tabernacle, in my mind, I can reorganize it to picture the church on that day. And so these doors right here would be the doors that she came down. And I was standing right down here. And as she walked down that aisle, as I was gazing on her, all I could think about was, she's about to be mine forever y you better yeah she's about to be mine forever because there was a union that was about to happen we were about to be united united the same picture happens with Jesus Christ your soul is standing right here. Jesus is right there. And he comes through those doors. And he's walking down that aisle. Because he stepped out of heaven. He became a man. And he's coming down here to the altar to give his life for your soul. And your soul is united with him forever when you say, come and be my Lord and Savior. He is your soulmate. And we call upon him for the forgiveness of sins. And your soul is waiting for the day to be united with him forever. And by the way, it's not like any covenant ever made of man. It's a, it's a totally different type of covenant. This is an eternal covenant. Listen, there are many of you here today, and you're not willing to take the risk of giving your life to Jesus because you have too much doubt. You have too much pain. You've gone too far away from God, and the world and other people have told you that you're not worthy to be saved. If, oh, Nick, if you knew what my life was like, you would know that I'm too far gone. I've got too much pain to deal with, and so I'm just going to sit here in my shame. I'm going to sit here in my sorrow. I'm going to sit here in my pain. I'm not moving a muscle. My heart's not moving a muscle. I know my soul is screaming for Jesus, but I just can't get there. Trust me, I know exactly how you feel. 
But let me tell you this. If Jesus is strong enough to save you, he's strong enough to keep you. And if he's strong enough to keep you, he's strong enough to make you new. And so everything about you that's keeping you from believing in Jesus, whatever it is that the, that the devil has put in your mind, whatever it is that the world has put in your heart that keeps you from coming to Jesus, you need to know that Jesus makes all things new, including you. Peter tells the church in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and on that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in your holy conduct. You say, well, why would he say that? Why would he talk about the day of the Lord? That seems like a warning. That seems almost like a threat. Everything's going to dissipate. Everything's going to disappear. There's going to be this day and it's all going to be gone. He says that with confidence and he's not worried about it because of what he says right before that. The Lord does not delay but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but all to come to repentance. Peter talks to the church like this. He says... Jesus wants you to come to repentance. Everything's going to be gone. Everything's going to be wiped out. But for those of you that are in Christ Jesus, when everything's destroyed, Jesus is making things new for you. For you that are saved, he's making things new. There's nobody else that's coming to save you. There's nobody else that's coming to rescue your soul. You're going to be stuck here forever if you think anybody else is coming through that door. Your soul is not going to spend eternity with anybody else. Todd and I sat there like idiots waiting for Mike Wolf to come. He wasn't coming. That's a picture to me of everything the world has to offer. Nobody's coming to save your soul. The only person that can save your soul is Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Word, life, light, the glory of God, the Lamb of God. He's the only one who can do it. And if you would but be willing, if you would but be willing to surrender to Him, to trust Him, to call out to Him, to repent of your sins, that can happen for you tonight. This is your day of salvation. You don't have to worry about what's coming to the world. Because Jesus is making all things new for those who belong to Him. You can be a new creation tonight. You don't have to sit there in your sin. You don't have to sit there in your pain. You don't have to sit there in your sorrow. Just trust Jesus. What are you seeking? Him. Say, Nick, how do you know what I'm seeking? Because I know you have a soul, and the only person who's going to satisfy your soul is Jesus. That's who you're seeking. Would you come to Him tonight? We're going to stand, and we're going to do another invitation, another time of worship. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not up here to make death threats. I'm not up here to say the world's ending. I'm not here to say any of that. Here's what I am saying. 
The Lord is patient. He's been patient with you this week. And he wants today to be the day of salvation for you. If you would but repent of your sins and trust in him, would you be willing to come forward and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and follow him the rest of your life? Union with Christ. He's strong enough to save you. He's strong enough to keep you. And he's strong enough to make you new. And that's what he wants to do tonight. Let us pray. God, we love you and we trust you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us what we do not deserve. Thank you that you sent your son, the son of God, to be slain on the cross for my sin. Lord, would you call them out? Would you draw them to the altar? Would you lead them to confession tonight? To repent of their sins and trust you. That their souls might be united with their soulmate. We love you. We trust you. It's in the name of Jesus and Jesus alone that we pray. Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus our Lord and our Savior. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening.